Greetings, game music lovers, and welcome back to part two of our listener showcase episode. I guess this would be 2 2. <laughs> um, this one is the actual listener showcase featuring a um, pretty meaty number of tracks. I think it came down to 20 or 21, somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, so like I said last time, this is a little bit of a long one, so I'm going to go ahead and get into it, starting with our features on Nemo and Keyglyph. First, we're going to hear from Keyglyph, one of the hosts of the VGM Jukebox, which uh, was spawned from the Legacy Music Hour, uh, one of the grandfathers of VGM Podcasting. And VGM Jukebox itself was responsible in large part for really engaging a listenership, uh, many of whom are still loyal video game music podcast listeners to this day. And... Um, which also brought some more attention to some other shows like Rhythm and Pixels, Pixelated Audio, and Pixel Tunes Radio, which uh, Pixel Tunes Radio spun off into the VG Embassy with Ed and XVGM with Mike, who is joined by Justin. Uh, Ed and Mike were originally the hosts of Pixel Tunes Radio, and it was during that time that they, um, I believe, did a guest spot along with Keyglyph and their co host Josh on the VGM Jukebox. So, I'm going to feature a little bit of Key's commentary here, and then I'll come back and we're going to play a few blocks from their pick. Hey folks, it's Key Glyph. First of all, I absolutely love it when the community comes together for projects like this, so my heart goes out to all of you who've been a part of the Masters of VGM. This is so awesome. But Droth invited me to say a few words about a composer who wasn't featured in the first wave of the VGM celebration, so I'd like to shine a spotlight on Miki Higashino. She composed the music to Gradius, which you may know, and I personally think the strength of the Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters soundtrack on Sega Genesis on its own is a powerful enough expression of her compositional range and complexity. Key specifically pointed out Michelangelo's stage as an example of Higashino's work on the TMNT Tournament Fighters soundtrack, so we'll hear just a little bit of that here before we come back to Key's further comments. But I wanted to do some extra digging to see what she's most known for, what game or game series her name is most attached to. And the answer, aside from Gradius, is apparently Suikoden, Suikoden 2 in particular. What really stands out in Suikoden 2's music is Higashino's ability to communicate complex emotions. So instead of only composing tunes that capture static feelings like sadness or mischief, she can convey an emotional journey, one as intricate as 
the wistfulness of revisiting an old memory, then the sadness one feels that it's gone, the joy you get from getting lost in it and reliving its innocence again, and ultimately the acceptance of the passage of time, and she can do all of that in the same track. Here I'm thinking specifically of a track called An Old Story, where she also tampers with sound quality and simulated vinyl effects to add yet another dimension to this meditation on how past and present weave together in a way that I can't properly explain in words. And that's exactly why I think she's outstanding. Her compositions are often narratives in themselves, which bring you through the processing of emotions instead of just the action of feeling an emotion in isolation. I mean, I get legit chills from some of this stuff. Thank you so much for that intro, Key. And first, we're going to go ahead and give a listen to the track that he was mostly talking about there, which is called An Old Tale. Once again, this is from Suikoden 2, and it was composed, as all of these tracks were, by Miki Higashino.
Next up, we're going to listen to the track that Key told me is uh, their favorite from this soundtrack. And Key confessed that they don't know anything about the Suicoden 2 story aside from what they've read in comments and ads, but this is a game about war. So the song, uh, with, which has the compelling title, A Prayer to My Mother, evokes all kinds of feelings of someone doing something courageous in a war under cover of secrecy, but understanding how dangerous it is and offering a prayer to the person who loves them the most, either to protect them or be protected if they don't make it. Once again, this track is called A Prayer to My Mother. couple of other tracks that stood out to Key are If You Listen Carefully, uh, which Key says is a wonderful mix of complicated emotions. Uh, someone in the comments of this track said, a perfect song for a dreary town within a nation at war. Key said they love that it's called If You Listen Carefully because to them it implies that the song is saying there's still hope and life in this town.
second, we're going to listen to Heart Softening Theme, which Key says just has a lovely vibe and some unexpected composition choices, which Key loves about Higashino's work. Block of Tracks, brought to us by Utopia Nemo, who has been a VGM podcast fan for many, many, many years, uh, and has uh, also is just a really, really cool guy. Uh, Nemo is a fellow father of five, so uh, he and I have sort of bonded over that. We talk a lot on... Um, well, we have a, a running chat going in Discord, but uh, Nemo is also active on the Very Good Music Discord, the uh, VGMBASY Discord, the Pixelated Audio Discord, and uh, at least a couple of others that, that I'm aware of. But Nemo and I have kind of traded notes and comments about songs back and forth for a while, and... Um, Nemo originally was hesitant to send in anything for this because he can never narrow down just one. Uh, he has a list of top 50 uh, favorite songs, just in general songs on YouTube, that is well over 100 songs long, so so that should tell you. But um, I picked out a couple of things that Nemo decided to recommend. Uh, from In the part one, I already mentioned the tracks that Nemo picked for Lena Rain, Austin Wintry, and Masashi Kageyama. But those are three of the composers who he recommended. I'm just going to go through and play four of Nemo's picks that I thought really stood out to me. And um, I'll mention the other ones, but we're going to play four of the songs. Uh, first up, I first heard Nemo talk about this composer on an episode of Pixelated Audio. This is Tomomi Otani of Thunder Force 2 and 3, and most notably here from Herzog Zwei, a soundtrack that Nemo just really, really enjoys. And from Herzog Zwei by Tomomi Otani, we're going to listen to Sleight of Hand.
Next up, a composer that I was a little surprised I didn't hear a little bit more about because he's one of the, um, well, he's a heavy-hitting Sega composer. This is Hiroshi Kawaguchi. He was the composer of Hang On, Outrun, Power Drift, Space Harrier, and Afterburner. And we are going to listen to everyone thank you from the game Rent a Hero. up a western composer who Nemo recommended who I'm really glad to be able to feature here uh, definitely um, I, I, he almost made the cut for my honorable mentions he is really the king of just really slow chill soothing uh, trancey style music and um, what we're going to play here it definitely highlights that he has some of the smoothest stuff on the Super NES we're talking about Dean Evans uh, who composed quite a bit for Ocean Software uh, notably the Flintstones movie um, game soundtrack and the soundtrack for the unreleased Super NES Green Lantern game, some of whose songs actually went on to be featured in the game we're going to be playing a song from today, Waterworld on the Super NES. So once again, by Dean Evans, we're going to listen to the diving theme from Waterworld. Thank you. 
And finally, I wanted to feature another um, sort of young, up-and-coming composer that Nemo wanted to bring some attention to. Olivier de Rivier of Remember Me, Streets of Rage 4, and Assassin's Creed 4 uh, has really been making a name for himself over the last few years in the VGM comp- composition scene. And we are going to listen to Nilin the Memory Hunter from Assassin's Creed 4, once again by Olivier de Rivier.
Nemo also mentioned uh, Tetsukazu Nakanishi of Rage Racer and Ace Combat and Hikoshi Hashimoto of Racing Hero, AB Cop, and um, several other games, um, sometimes com- confused with Hitoshi Sakimoto because of the similarity of their names. I want to give a quick shout out to the Super Mercado Bros who actually did soundtrack or did composer features on both Hitoshi Sakimoto and Nemo's pick, Hikoshi Hashimoto. So, once again, um, Hikoshi Hashimoto and Tetsukazu Nakanishi are a couple of the composers that Nemo recommended that our listeners maybe check out as potential honorable mentions for Masters of VGM. Nemo and Keycliffe, thank you again so much for these contributions. And Key, thanks so much for the uh, the recording. We had some back and forth uh, getting that procured, and I'm really, really grateful that you made some time. I'm super happy to have your voice uh, here represented in our Masters of VGM event. Like you mentioned, I also love it when um, there's a cross-play between members of the VGM community or VGM podcast fans, and uh, this event is definitely um, one of the best that I've ever seen. So thank you again for being a part of it. And now we're going to come back to Prof. Jeff as we discuss the rest of our listener showcase. Uh, We're going to go through these a little more quickly. I mean, we haven't talked a whole lot about these other ones, but we're going to go through this a little more quickly because there are 11 of them and I still want to get to Prof. Jeff's Jeff's picks. and it's not going to be too hard. I don't have much to say about any of these games just because I'm looking at them all and I don't think I have played a single one. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm aware of a lot of these games, but I have not personally played them. So I won't have a lot of experience with that. Uh, I've heard a few of these songs before. And of course, these composers are all really great. But um, what do you say? You ready to go ahead and jump in? Yeah. Okay. Well, first, uh, we're going to listen to a recommendation by listener Ganon11. Uh, he recommended that we play something by Kenji Yamamoto. And I, I'm not going to remember if we, if the track that I'm playing here was specifically requested by this person or not. In some cases, the listener actually recommended a specific track. And some they just said, you should play something by this composer. And I found something myself. Uh, so I'm just going to say who recommended it. And um, we'll, we'll go from there. But from Kinji Yamamoto, we are going to listen to Fendrana Drifts from Metroid Prime.
That was Fendrana Drifts from Metroid Prime, composed by Kenji Yamamoto, who was recommended to us by listener Ganon11. Uh, thanks so much for the recommendation. And Prof Jeff, what did you think of this track? Man, it was so smooth. Um, <laughs> I know, right? I imagine uh, Brian from BG Mania would like it because reasons. Because <laughs> reasons, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Brian groovy, is definitely man. a fan of the Metroid Prime soundtracks and yeah, and it is groovy for sure. Uh, do you have any experience with the Metroid Prime series? No, I, I want to. Um, I I can't remember what happened to my GameCube, actually. I feel like I played most of the... I mean, I played other... Mostly Sonic Adventure 2 Battle and Smash Bros. Melee, yep. which, are, <laughs> to say the very least, they're respectable games. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, when I went home from college and rented a GameCube along with a buddy of mine. Those were the two games that we got, so <laughs> well worth your time. Oh, so good. I've always been interested in playing Metroid Prime, but I never got around to it. I think a lot of my friends in college were Xbox guys. Um, I don't yeah. like the Halo soundtrack as much as what I've just heard, so um, it, it looks yeah. cool. I've heard good <laughs> things about Metroid Prime. Either... What is it? They're angry that they want a new game to come out and that Nintendo is like taking too long or that they're happy that it well, Metroid Dread just came out and people like that one, right? Yeah, yeah, it was it was well received. Although the music actually was not as celebrated, probably mostly just because it wasn't as good as what had come before. It was perfectly serviceable, but people are expecting more than that in their Metroid yeah. music these days. That was that was beautiful and also a good time of the <laughs> a good time of my night to be hearing that song just like ha ah, very hmm. mm. yep yeah uh if the rumors are true then we may be hearing an announcement about a metroid prime trilogy remaster for switch uh along with some more news about metroid prime 4 uh sometime in the fall but who's to say that that's coming from a source that is usually uh, pretty accurate but not always so and people have been wanting more metroid prime for years uh Really briefly, Kenji Yamamoto uh, has been with Nintendo since 1987 and wasn't super prolific, uh, 
with during the 80s and 90s, but did work along with Monaco Hamano on Super Metroid. And uh, from based on his experience in that game, was handpicked to do the music for Metroid Prime just to continue sort of uh, musical continuity across the, the two sort of sub-series of Metroid. And he is still working with Nintendo these days. He His last track, his last game that he actually composed for, he actually joined David Wise on Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze in 2014. Uh, since then, he has served in sound support or sound direction or sound supervision on all of the games that he's worked on. Man, I... I can't I can't say anything super articulate or intelligent about that song, but it's just, <laughs> you know, I hopefully my emotions can conve- convey my experience in my voice because it was just really great. <laughs> yep. Well, it's going to be a while before we get to a song that I am familiar with again. So I'm excited to listen to some of these because I really just kind of I either was recommended a certain track or I went and picked one from a game that was relatively well known. Uh and so, yeah, I'm interested to hear what's coming up next. Uh, you ready to get into our next song? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this next one is a composer whose whose name I know pretty well. Uh, this was recommended to us by Inspector Specter, who is a listener of very good music and BG Mania and a fellow Super Mercado Bros fan. Uh, and he recommended that we play something by Kenji Ito. And I have chosen for us to listen to Catalina's theme, also sometimes called Katarina's theme, from Romancing Saga 3. That nice subdued little number there was Catalina's theme from Romancing Saga 3 by Kenji Ito, who was recommended by Inspector Spectre. All right. What did you think of that one, Prof Jeff? That's really good. Um, it's, hopefully the next one's a bit peppier. I might fall asleep. <laughs> I know. After <laughs> that one you punched there. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> not, not because it's boring, but because it's soothing. Yes. Um, yeah, definitely. As I, as I may have mentioned uh, off-recording, 
Um, for the past seven months, my only interaction has been my bosses, my therapists, and family members checking in on me. So this is like my first time to drink beer in a while. <laughs> so, yep. you know, that's that's helping me get a bit get, get a bit sleepy and keeping my mood up. But um, it's really it's uh, it's a really sophisticated pairing with the music. Um, I like this. It's interesting the strings. I mean, sort of string like. Uh, SNES sound kind of it kind of reminds me of like a reimagining of Nobuo Uematsu, but of course he's kind of it's kind of hard to avoid comparisons with him. I'm sure everyone who's not him must be kind of annoyed. Well, by and uh, interestingly enough, um, Kenji Ito's first soundtrack was Final Fantasy Legend 2, which he worked on with Nobuo Uematsu. Uh, this was a Game Boy title, and it was actually the first sequel to um, Saga, uh, the first game in the Saga Saga. <laughs> um, and this one, of course, being the second. Um, actually, no. Uh, so the Saga series is weird. Uh, there was Saga and then Saga 2, which was Final Fantasy Legend 2 in the United States. Then there was Romancing Saga, which was sort of a follow-up uh, for the Super Famicom. That was followed by Romancing Saga 2 and Romancing Saga 3. And then that was followed by Saga Frontier, and it just kind of unwound from there. Uh, <laughs> there, there I mean, isn't, isn't the G in Saga capitalized for no reason as well? It is. It may not be for no reason, but I don't know the reason that it is for. So, <laughs> um, Fair enough. Kenji Ito is most well known for the Saga series and the the Saiken Densetsu series or the Mana series. Yeah. Um, and so he's he's done quite a bit on on both of those. Yeah. So if you're interested, go check go check those out. Some of his other notable works, uh, he worked on Puzzle and Dragons X for mobile games in 2016, along with Yuzo Koshiro, Akira Yamaoka, and Kaigo Ozaki. And he worked on Terra Battle, which was a crowdfunded game by, I want to say Mistwalker is the name of the studio, that was uh, founded by the original... Um, creator of the Final Fantasy series. Uematsu has done some work for them, and Terra Battle was done by Kenji Ito, along with Nobuo Uematsu, Yokoshi Mamoru, Yasunori Matsuda, and Hitoshi Sakimoto. So he's worked with a lot of really big names over the years. Um, he's sort of sort of tangential to some of the really heavy hitters in BGM, and he's had a lot of great works of his own. So, Yeah, it's really... I really love the little sort of Samba-like touch to it. It's very... It's just really yeah. delightful, honestly. But let's go ahead and get into the next song. If uh, my memory of this series is uh, is true, then this next one should be a little bit peppier. Uh, this is by Ryu Umimoto, who is another composer I'm kind of surprised didn't show up. He was recommended by four different people when I brought this up. One of those is Utopia Nemo, who is, uh, as I mentioned on part one of this uh, this two-parter, uh, an uber fan of the BGM podcast scene. He was also recommended by three other hosts, which means he was probably in their honorable mentions. Uh, Hammock from KVGM The Last Wave, Mike from XVGM Radio, and Rage Cage from the VG Emporium. So, Ryu Umamoto, uh, definitely um, a name that's up there in VGM podcasting, or just a VGM fan scene. We're going to be listening to a track from Kono Yo no Hate de Koi wo Utao Shouju, You Know, and uh, You Know is the part of that title I actually recognize. <laughs> 
We're going to be listening to a track called Other World One. If you don't know, now you know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll stop. That was Other World One, and the English translation of this title is You Know, A Girl Who Chants Love at the Bound of This World. That was composed by Ryu Umimoto. That was recommended by Utopia Nemo, Hammock, Mike from XVGM Radio, and Rage Cage. Um, which, sis- which system was this? This was for the PC-98, actually. Because I checked... Um, so that was the thing. I was wondering when you were going to start using the English title. 
Um, because I, I looked it up on I looked it up on Google while I was listening to the song. Um, you know, a girl who chants love at the bound of this world is a visual novel adventure game, Arrogay. Yes. Developed for the PC ninety eight. It was later ported to Sega Saturn and Microsoft Windows platforms without the sexual content. And then there's also a remake for PS Vita, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and Microsoft Windows again. Yes. Yeah, so this was an Arrow game, so uh, be careful if you if you Google this <laughs> without filters. But, uh, yeah. Th- yeah, this <laughs> <laughs> this was a really um, influential game as well, just uh, on, on the whole scene. It was, it was developed by Elf Corporation, which was fairly well known for this genre of game. And this may be the most successful one to come out of that studio. Um, Umimoto, though, is a really celebrated composer. He is considered one of the best FM synth chiptune composers, like, ever, um, and has been compared to Yuzo Koshiro. Um, unlike Koshiro, though, even though they were born around the same time, uh, Umemoto actually passed away in 2011 um, at the age of 37. So, um... Oh, dear. Poor yeah, guy. No, no, no telling what he would have uh, what he would have done if he if he'd been able to live longer but yeah it was that was definitely a big loss um, but while he was with us he worked on a lot of really really great Japanese uh, Japanese properties he actually did quite a bit of work on the home computer the Japanese home computer systems the sharp x68000 the FM towns the PC 88 and 98 the MSX uh, he worked on mobile suit Gundam games on those systems. Um, he's worked on Princess Maker and Eve Burst Error, a couple of uh, different games that are fairly, fairly well known uh, in Japan. And uh, his last compositions were for Xbox 360 and Live Arcade. Uh, it was Nin 2 Jump and Instant Brain, neither of which I've heard of. But um, his music is uh, definitely some that uh, I, I think we should dig more into. I've heard him a lot on um, Japanese home computer showcases. Yeah, I really love that song. It was wonderful. It wasn't peppy exactly. No, it wasn't. It did, yeah. uh, did get me moving. I was waving, waving my hands in the air. Yeah, it was... Um, I don't know, would you call this psychedelic? A little bit, yeah. It was definitely groovy, though. It's another one. If Brian is listening to this episode, then these first three tracks, I think, are going to get him where he wants to go. Um, yeah. It's yeah. Al- it's also funny because it's called Elf Corporation. If you look at the original box art, it's just like an anime elf in like a little gossamer gown sleeping. Which, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And you know what? I am actually... Uh, <laughs> because of the weird, like, I guess, rushed way that I did my... Um, my research for this episode I didn't even realize that I had this game on here twice <laughs> so oh, nice. because I have it down once under the Japanese name and then I have it down under the English name but at least two different composers worked on this game so we're going to go ahead and move to the next one and skip the one I had next on the list we'll come back to that now or, or after this yeah but let's go ahead. This was also recommended by Rage Cage, this composer, that is, uh, who is Ryu Takami. And uh, this time from, you know, we are going to listen to Imperial Capital.
That was Imperial Capital from, once again, you know, a girl who chants love at the bound of this world. This one composed by Ryu Takami and, uh, once again, recommended by Rage Cage. And my uh, uh, source for determining that Ryu Takami actually composed this particular track is VGMDB, uh, which lists Takami as having composed four tracks on the PC-98 release of this game. Uh, but yeah, Man. similar to that first one, what do you think? Oh, it was so good. I'm sad that I already wrote a 200-page PhD dissertation because that soundtrack really gets my booty moving. <laughs> it would be so great to like work too. Oh, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to have to hunt this one down. Um it's just ah, it's I like it. Yeah, I and Also really... the drum the drum break at the 3 minute mark really 
Yeah, really the drums are really great. It was, together. I think it was around either the three minute or around three thirty when that that really deep bass came back in, and just man, that that would rattle your car speakers if you were playing it in the car. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, they broke in and stole my radio, so don't even talk about. Oh that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, didn't mean to, didn't mean to <laughs> uncover those old scars there. But yeah, yeah so- twice. I actually have a scar. For those of you who don't know, I actually have a hole in my dashboard because someone broke in and stole my radio and I got a new one and they broke in and stole it again. And so now I can't get a radio in my car. Uh, <laughs> sad day, man. But yeah, anyways, <laughs> anyway, perhaps one day. But were you familiar yeah, at all with day. this series before uh, before tonight? No, I'd never even heard of it. And now... And now it's going to be, like, next on my... I'm going to... F- is it a series, or is it just one game that's been adapted? Uh, so it's one game that's been adapted, uh, ported, re-released, and there actually are anime and manga, um, like, spinoffs from it. Yeah. So. I'm not well, sure, I'm not sure not- if I'm going to put... I have enough anime to watch that I'm not going to watch this one. Um, uh, although uh, the first actually- episode is entitled... It's a four-part yeah. OVA, so it's not like a like an actual anime series, but well, they have yeah. one too. It's uh, oh. they have both. Didn't know that. I didn't read that. Yeah, far. if you scroll down on Wikipedia from <laughs> OVA, then it's an anime television, which is twenty-six episodes. Um, the first episode is entitled "You Know?" Question mark. So I'm not the first person to come up with that stupid joke. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. But. Oh yeah. yeah, this is gonna. I'm gonna find this on YouTube or KH Insider and just like play the whole thing. Yeah. Um, hopefully, thankfully, I have more work to do, and I'll just do do it with that. But ah, oh, so great. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank uh, you, Rage Cage, for recommending both of these. Uh, this is really, really good yeah. stuff. This is very. Maybe you could call yourself Mellow Cage because these <laughs> are some chill beats. Yeah. This is this is definitely uh, hammock level. Uh, hammock level chill here so yeah i i'm always afraid of hammocks so i might fall out and hurt myself but yeah <laughs> well you don't have to be afraid of hammock the podcaster he will always catch you in his, his smooth groovy mellow beats so wow nice all right next we're going to move on to um slightly more well-known series uh although not the composer that's usually associated with it this next track comes from final fantasy 14 specifically the Shadowbringers expansion of that uh um mmo uh final fantasy game this composer was recommended to us by listener a martz that's a y y m a r t the composer is masayoshi soken and we're going to be listening to tomorrow and tomorrow
That was Tomorrow and Tomorrow from Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers, composed by Masayoshi Soken and recommended by listener A-Mart. But we have still not found anything super upbeat, have we, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, man, this is, uh, it's everything so soothing. I know, Thankfully, and my it's... cat's been, like, biting me and keeping <laughs> me awake. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because it's, like, it's all so... You know, like it's it's random because I didn't even listen to these tracks when I added them to the list. I just kind of did my research. I found stuff that people said was good online, and I went with it. So, uh, yeah, this is all just luck of the draw, as it were. But what did you think of this one? I thought it was fascinating. I was thinking of 
you know, sort of daydreaming about other other kinds of music to try to contextualize it while I was listening to it. Um, I actually do kind of like opera. Um, I went to an opera twice. I went to Lohengrin, a German opera, and then I went to Nabucco, uh, one of Verdi's Italian operas, and I like Italian a little bit better. Um, it's interesting because, like, opera was part of the plot of Final Fantasy VI, um, and uh-huh. there were actually opera remixes of it on YouTube. But this yep. is like a bona fide Final Fantasy opera. Um, it, you know, there were parts where it kind of reminded me a little bit of, like, you know, the opera scene in Fifth Element or um, uh, the sort of yeah. opera-ishness and some of the James Bond themes. But mm-hmm. it kind of, especially with that really beautiful, like, piano flourish, it really takes itself seriously, like, as an operatic song and not yeah. just, like, a song that's trying to sound opera-ish. So that was really fascinating. The piano was really impressive. Uh, this is almost more reminiscent of Yoko Shimomura's work in Final Fantasy XV than it is in some of um, Uematsu's earlier work in the series. But uh, Masayoshi Soken uh, has been working for Square since 2000, but his most famous compositional work to date is definitely the Final Fantasy XIV series, where he was the lead composer and sound director. Uh, He is also going to be the primary composer on the upcoming Final Fantasy XVI. So if you like this, there's more to come. And man, the Final Fantasy XIV soundtrack is enormous. There are so many expansions on, on that. And uh, Uematsu composed a bit of it, some other folks came in, but most of it is Masayoshi Soken, and it's all really good stuff. Is it mostly is it more mostly orchestral, or is there like lots of opera? I honestly don't know. I think it's mostly orchestral, but I do think there are, uh, I know actually that there are quite a few vocal tracks. I don't know how many of them are what I would call operatic, but uh, yeah. but yeah. It's. I mean, I w- the reason why I was thinking about it too when I said, "Oh, I'm glad that this song is like actual opera instead of just like pretending to be opera," is because mm-hmm. I was thinking of like the Halo song, with, like the sort of <laughs> faux Gregarian monks, which I, mm, I just, I, I kind of, I don't hate Halo, but I just feel. I mean, I enjoyed like blasting my friends with rocket launchers on zero G, but not much more than that. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Okay, well, we're, uh, I think we're going to be shifting gears here finally, even though this next track is recommended by Hammock, who is sort of known as the VGM Master of Chill. Uh, This track is from Shinobi in the arcade, and so I think we might be in for some nice old-fashioned FM goodness here. Uh, We're going to be listening to BGM2, and this was composed by Yasuhiro Kawakami, once again recommended by Hammock, and this is from Shinobi on the arcade. Hajime!
once again, that was BGM2 from Shinobi on the arcade, composed by Yasuhiro Kawakami, who was recommended to us by Hammock. And yeah, that was a little bit of a change of pace. What did you think of that one, Prof. Jeff? It's very... Yeah, I mean, it really has that sort of sound that defined an era. I mean, if I think of an (laughs) 80s song about ninjas from a video game, this is exactly the kind of thing I think of. You know, the sort of the really nice drum line and the that sort of weird, like, sort of Japanese-style rhythm that old games used to have. Yeah. Yeah, some of the chord structure here is also very... It's got that Japanese flair to it that they leaned into when they were composing ninja stuff. And uh, it's got that crunchy Sega arcade sound as well. Um, which is what Kawakami was really known for. He did quite a bit of work on the Sega arcade systems. So most of his work was in the late 80s uh, through the 90s on Sega's uh, arcade-style stuff. Uh, Although he did work on a couple of other things. He... One of his other very well-known soundtracks, uh, maybe my favorite work by him, is Final Fantasy Mystic Quest on the SNES. Did he do Kung Fu on the NES? Because that's the song, that's the soundtrack I was thinking of when I heard this. Uh, he did not. His actually his only NES game is the uh, American Civil War game North and South. So wow, which I only know about that game because Alberto Gonzalez composed the uh, home computer versions of North and South. So and did uh, a lot of the sprite work for them. So yeah, it's a great <laughs> it's a great track. It's very ambient. I'm not sure whether I would want to have that play while I'm lifting weights and working out or whether I'm like queuing up the new turtles movie and and eating pizza, (laughs) which there's definitely a lot of really good workout style stuff in mystic quest. If, uh, if anybody really wants to dig into Kawakami's, uh, what I consider to be his best soundtrack, final fantasy mystic quest is the way to go. Really good stuff. Is that the same one that's like adventure of mana or am I getting a mixed up? No, that is Final... I want to say that's Final Fantasy Adventure or Final Fantasy Legend, which is the first Saiken Densetsu game. Um, I don't... Uh, the, yeah. the Mana series is really confusing to me, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's hard for me to place which one is which. Yeah, I mean, if you got your adventures, your mystic quests, and um, yeah, separate, that's pretty, that's pretty complicated. What's interesting is that, uh, oh, who was I thinking of? Um, oh, Kenji Ito on the, the Saga theme, uh, the on which we played earlier from the Saga game, Catalina's theme, was actually a, uh, um, he was the composer on Final Fantasy Adventure, I believe is what the game was. We just looked it up earlier tonight, now I forgot. But Final Fantasy Adventure was the first second Densetsu game, but in Europe, that game was called Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. The game that in America we know as Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, I don't think it came out anywhere else. Um, it was specifically released for the Western market as a, sort of a, a simpler and easier RPG to get Western audiences more oh. interested in That's That's that the genre. one called Final Fantasy USA, right? 
okay, yes. There's, yeah, there's it's Final Fantasy USA. Final Fantasy USA in Japan. I forgot. It was released later in Japan as Final Fantasy USA. Yes. It was also the first Final Fantasy oh, game man, I played. Now I'm imagining a Final <laughs> Fantasy where... I'm imagining a Final Fantasy game where you get to, like, wear a flag and, like, hang out with an eagle and, instead of, uh... <laughs> instead of mobos or whatever Mo- moogles or what are they called Mo- moogles yeah moogles yeah inst- instead of moogles you can have like bald eagles <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's good stuff well yeah. we're gonna get a, a little bit more subdued again I'm pretty sure for the next couple of tracks um, we're also gonna be switching gears to um, we're moving to the west for a couple of tracks Uh, These next two were both recommended by listener The Pirate Z on, I believe, uh, the Messenger's Discord for the VGM Journey. And um, both pretty well-known soundtracks from uh, big series over here in the States. Uh, The first one is composed by Jack Wall. We're going to be listening to Vigil from the game Mass Effect. talk about ambience (laughs) yeah that was vigil from mass effect composed by jack wall uh recommended by the pirate z yeah what'd you think of that man i learned a lot about the bass capabilities on my new headphones Uh, (laughs) also one of the things i found really fascinating is the way that the notes sort of folded into each other and resonated so it almost sounded like there was like Mm -hmm. a vocal component in the background but it just was sort of something produced by the sound i think yeah um jack wall's music for the mass effect series is is all kind of in this vein there's a lot of really ambient stuff there there are a couple that are um more i guess fanfare-ish in uh, um and orchestral in honestly more of a halo kind of way it's definitely in that you know that that realm but this reminds me a lot of uh, some of the earlier work by Western composers like um, Chris Yulesbeck and Dean Evans, 
who, you know, could do, and Ben Daglish to an extent, who could do more of the slower, really evocative type of type of tracks. Yeah, I like how um, Jack Wall had confidence in his own, like the song is very confident in its own ability to be musical without a lot of bells and whistles. Yeah. And then pulls it off. Yeah. And a lot of his work, I think, kind of falls into that vein. Uh, his first really well-known game was uh, the third game in the Myst series, uh, Myst 3 Exile. That series is pretty well-known for, for this style of game, um, or for this style of, of, you know, the more more subdued kind of, kind of tracks. Uh, he has also worked on the Tom Clancy series, uh, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, uh, Pandora Tomorrow, uh, he worked on Mist 4 Revelation, and uh, I, I would say looking at this, well, there's Call of Duty, Black Ops 2 and 3, um, and Black Ops 4, and Black Ops Cold War, and Call of Duty Vanguard, so that probably also gives you kind of an idea of some of the things he worked on. Uh, he didn't do all of those soundtracks, but he contributed to them. I think that the Mass Effect games are the most celebrated games that he worked on, though. I have to say one of my favorite soundtracks he composed is actually uh, Disney's Extremely Goofy Skateboarding, which sounds remarkably like original tracks composed in the style of Tony Hawk. <laughs> Ooh. I, need to, I need to check that out. Um, Disney's Extremely Goofy Skateboarding. Do check it out. It's a pretty fun soundtrack. And sorry, I started talking over you there. What were you saying? I forgot now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Curse of Lag. Yeah, I just... Well, if you remember, just just jump in and keep talking and interrupt me. uh, Something Mass Effect, something... No, it's, like, long gone. Well, do you have any experience with Mass Effect at all? Uh, no, it was... I just remember everyone complaining about the third game. Ah. Yeah, he actually (laughs) wasn't involved in the third game, so... (laughs) Everyone was angry. Everyone was angry about the... the, It was a story-based experience... And then the mm-hmm. ending sucked. Aw. Oh, man, that does stink. Game of Thrones I didn't even remember style. there was a third game. <laughs> That's how little I know about the series, because I was just looking at his discography, and he didn't do the third game. So. I, I think so. I think so. It sounds right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I mean, I also think the series. name is dumb, but that's a whole other point. <laughs> <laughs> But now, from uh, from science fiction, we're going to move into the realm of fantasy, and we're going to feature a track that, uh, so the composer, Jeremy Soule, was recommended once again by the Pirate Z, but I also know that Brian from BGBania is a really big fan of Jeremy Soule's, uh, and so I asked him to recommend a track for us to play, so I didn't have to do a bunch of research. <laughs> And Brian has chosen for us to listen to Jade Forest from World of Warcraft, Mists of Pandaria. So I'll be curious to hear how this lines up with some other pandas in a high fantasy game that you have recently spent a lot of time with.
Right, once again, that was Jade Forest from World of Warcraft, Mists of Pandaria, composed by Jeremy Soule. This composer was recommended by the Pirate Z, and that track was recommended by my BG Mania co-host, Ryan. Interesting back-to-back here that we ended up with, with Vigil from Mass Effect, and then, and then Mass Effect, and then this one from World of Warcraft. What did you think of this? It was very uh, cinematic. It felt like... Is is very ambient. Um, of course, I remember. Yeah, oh, for sure. I think I think everyone of a certain age remembers that Mist of Pandaria. Like to ask why we fight, was to ask why the leaves fall. This was Warcraft: humans versus orcs and dark elves. And now there's MF pandas on the sea. <laughs> yeah. So how does this compare to uh, to your pandas and Warhammer? Yeah, so that's actually why it took a longer time before getting back on the call. Um, I didn't actually see the pandas on Warhammer for like two, for two reasons. First of all, I was playing the Russians, and so all of the Chinese armies were on the other sides of the eastern steppes, and so I didn't actually contact them at all. Ah, okay. And then the other the other thing is that the uh, war. So for those of you who don't know. Um, Warcraft, um, before World of Warcraft, there was the Warcraft strategy game, which was pitched um, to the pre-existing product, um, the pre-existing property of Warhammer. Um, In Britain, Games Workshop um, owned the rights to this tabletop game called Warhammer, and Blizzard wanted to pitch them a game. And Games Workshop said, I'm not sure if that strategy video game on the computer is really a good idea. We're just not feeling it. And so then uh, Blizzard realized that they could just change the names around a tiny bit and turn the hammer into a craft. (laughs) (laughs) So they created Warcraft. Um, And then that created World of Warcraft. And nowadays, like, the Warcraft and Warhammer worlds are not similar at all because Warcraft has its own <laughs> has its own world building and yeah. Warhammer has its and then War, War, Warcraft with World of Warcraft created Pandaria and then which is like panda people mm-hmm. um, maybe some other stuff I don't quite know and <laughs> then several several years later um, Warhammer has already had like has always had like Chinese people um, they're called Cafe and then they finally, um, just like earlier this year, they finally brought Cafe in as like a real, realized part of the world. And it has like all the Chinese stereotypes you can expect, except for pandas. And so if you want pandas to be, you actually have to mod them in by taking the Russian bears and then reskinning them as pandas and adding them to the Chinese army. Oh, okay. Um, also, the mu- also, the music is. The music for Warhammer, it's um, not terribly for, like, the Total War Warhammer series, which is mm-hmm. Warhammer trying to do their own strategy game after Warcraft created the strategy <laughs> genre, then playing, playing gotcha. catch-up. Um, but now Warcraft is no longer making strategy games, and Warhammer is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a whole thing. Yeah, it is. But the music isn't terribly good, but, like, or it's not terribly elaborate, I guess I should say. Um, there are parts of it I like, but with yeah. um, Warhammer Chinese music, it's more like t- 
Hulk. It's more like the Howard Shore Lord of the Rings films with some like, you know, a bit more whistles and woodwinds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like very kind of trying to smooth it out. I think uh, hopefully they'll do more work on the soundtrack eventually, but I, I don't think they will. But it is more like aggressive and dynamic than at least like this one song we heard, um, which is much more like heavily on the strings. But it's kind of, I mean, I guess it's apples and oranges. <laughs> Honestly, I'll play both. The only reason why I don't play World of Warcraft is, in, is because it's an MMO and I just don't like other people. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I I think the main reason I'm not going to get into it is that if I did, you would probably never see me again because I would get sucked in. But uh, <laughs> the reason I don't play a lot of games anymore is because when I do, I get I get pulled in and I don't do much else. And then I have to take a break for a while. So, um, yeah. I mean, I guess I say that about MMOs, but action RPGs are basically like MMOs without other people. And I'm just not super interested about inventory management. Yep. If I wanted to do that, I'd just like open up a comic book store or something. Well, Jeremy Soul uh, has been working in video game music since 1995 with Square's Secret of Evermore on the SNES. And then after that, he went into um, a lot of different games. Uh, he, he did quite a bit of licensed work, uh, touching properties like Disney's Beauty and the Beast, uh, Star Wars. Um, he's done some work with Harry Potter games uh, and Rugrats games, of all things. But along the way, he also got involved with Wizards of the Coast, and he composed the music for 2000's Icewind Dale, uh, 2001's Icewind Dale Heart of Winter, uh, and also Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance that year. And then in 2002, he composed his first game in the Elder Scrolls series, uh, Elder Scrolls III Morrowind. He then went on to compose um, Oblivion, Elder Scrolls IV, and Skyrim, Elder Scrolls V. In addition, he's worked on the Guild Wars series, and he, uh, besides contributing here to the World of Warcraft games, he also did the music for Warhammer 40k Dawn of War in 2004. So, oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. So he's kind of been all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Because while, while you were talking, I was thinking, yo, Baldur's Gate, um, Elder Scrolls, he's done everything but Warhammer. But then he has. So he's done everything but Warhammer Fantasy. Uh, Dawn of War <laughs> yeah. is like... Well, it's it's just like Warhammer trying to be Warcraft again, and Warcraft was already trying to be Warhammer 40k with Starcraft. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's no, it's 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 great fun. I kind of want to I want to listen to that track because I mostly played Dawn of War two, um, which had like a smaller squad based gameplay, um, which I liked a little bit better. But that's super great, and I love how. Um, I'm yeah. I'm kind of curious to see his flexibility. Yeah, he's definitely one to look for. I think I've already heard. I, I've heard some Pandaria music before, and so I'm kind of curious as to like what his range is. Yeah, I'll be curious to hear what you say about that. I, I'm not sure about uh, Jeremy Soul's range. Um, he obviously has been doing this for a long time, and he's composed on some really, really big games. And maybe one of the reasons I haven't heard him as much myself is because I tend to gravitate more toward the busier, more melodic tracks. And he seems to be focused on games that uh, feature more of the um, 
the you know the cinematic uh, ambient style of music. Like you said, definitely in the vein of composers like Howard Shore. I actually saw here on the Wikipedia that he references John Williams as his favorite composer of all time, and that makes some sense. Ah. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I mean, you can, you'll be, you'll definitely be able to see that I'm kind of the same way when we get to my tracks. Um, but yeah, cool. it's very, um, it's kind of, it's nice. Jade forest is a cool, is a great name for a track as well. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It really is. Well, I'm very interested to hear what's coming up next. Uh, this track was specifically recommended along with the composer, and I have not listened to it yet. But Electric Boogaloo is the nickname of a um, listener of the Rhythm and Pixels podcast. And um, he is really, really well known in that channel. Uh, nobody knows much about Electric Boogaloo himself, um, but he drops a lot of really awesome facts about video games. He really knows this stuff, especially in, uh, again, that sort of early Redbook audio scene uh, with stuff like the Saturn and the PS1 and the Dreamcast. And so I'm wondering if this is going to be in that vein or if it's going to be something completely different. But... Let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, we're going to be listening to a track by uh, Yasuhisa Watanabe. And that track, recommended by Electric Boogaloo, is Colors of Nights from the game Elevator Action Returns.
And we are back from Colors of Nights from Elevator Action Returns, composed by Yasuhisa Watanabe and recommended by listener Electric Boogaloo. Right, more from uh, more in that same vein from earlier, huh? <laughs> Man, but there's something there's something really special about this. I wasn't first of all, I wasn't sure what to expect with a game called Elevator Action. When I this is not what I think of when I think of elevators, <laughs> that's for sure. Right? Yeah. Um, one of the things I love. So even though it's really interesting is that even though we're on kind of like a slow stretch, um, it had a lot. It had a lot more of a deliberate sort of rhythmic background line, and then yeah. somehow it managed to blow my mind with the trumpets twice. <laughs> um. Shout out to Shoot Kabao. Yeah, there was definitely more movement in this one than in the last two. Uh, it harkens back, I think, to that track I played earlier uh, from Noriyuki Iwadare, which was around the same time period. It has that, that sort of... Um, not necessarily the track I played, but this definitely sounds like something akin to some of Noriyuki Iwadare's slower work. But... Yeah, this is which, which one was that again? Ah, uh, so Lunar that was, Silver Star. Okay. Yeah, Lunar Silver Star. The the yeah, it, it really doesn't sound like that song very much. But maybe maybe the other stuff. Yeah, you listen to more of Iwadari's work, and I think this will you'll hear some of what I'm talking about. Um, Yasuhisa Watanabe actually got started with the um, developer Taito, and was part of their in-house band. A lot of the um, companies back then had sort of in-house bands made up of their composers and uh, Taito's was called Zuntada and uh, the first game he composed music for was um, Sevalian in 1988 uh, a couple of the other notable ones here that I see are Master of Weapon <laughs> in 1989 mm. uh, and then Growl in 1991 um Around the same time, uh, 94, he composed Global Champion, and then 95, he did Elevator Action 2, which is uh, the one we just listened to, also known as Elevator Man, Action. all those titles are really bad. Returns, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, then we get into a couple. Um, let me see, another one, huh? Fighter's Impact in 1996. And, um, let me see. There you go. And... Ah, uh, here we go. Street Fighter EX3 in 2000. Oh. Composed the music for. Ah, oh, good stuff. Yeah, the EX series has some really, really cool stuff in it. Um, a couple more. When you said Master of Weapon, I was thinking maybe that's a prequel to Resident Evil Master of Unlocking. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, a couple of other well-known series he contributed to. Um, Super Dragon Ball Z in 2006 which I have mm. to look that up. Okay, this is a PS2 title. Um, I'm looking for the Japanese yeah, it can't, name. it can't but... be the same as Dragon Ball Super because that's after the PS2 era. Absolutely so not, So it must yeah. be something else. Way past 2006. Looks like this was a fighting game. It doesn't say it was part of the Budokai series, but... Um, uh, hmm. see, base roster includes... Goku, Vegeta, Future Trunks, Teen Gohan, Krillin, Android 18, Frieza, Cell, Chi-Chi, Piccolo, Android 16, Android 17, and Fat Boo. With unlockable characters Ultimate Gohan, Videl, Mecha Frieza, King Piccolo, and Majin Vegeta. 
Man, Chi Chi, she never got into Dragon Ball Fighters. Yeah, I know, which is really, really sad. I feel like yeah, Chi Chi don't, don't, don't get me started on that. <laughs> Bulma in a mech would have been pretty cool additions to Dragon Ball Fighters. Who, who in a mech? Sorry, your audio cut out. Bulma. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you already got Tron Bon. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, the Capcom has done some wonderful things. Um, <laughs> even if I hate Street Fighter V. <laughs> There's a lot of like brilliant ideas out there from Capcom. Uh, Watanabe also worked on Bubble Bobble Neo in 2009, and then most recently uh, com- contributed a track to Kira Kira Star Knight in 2021. Bubble Bobble Neo just makes me think of the cute little dinosaur in a trench coat. <laughs> uh, who knows Kung Fu? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. just well, like the pandas. I know. There you go. It's all coming together, man. It's all well, coming together. Uh, I happen to to know for a fact that we are moving into some different territory with these next couple of tracks. Because uh, <laughs> these two were recommended by Naomi, um, one of the, the sweetest people in the VGM fan scene. And actually um one of the, also the driving forces behind the very name of this series the masters of egm and naomi has recommended a couple of tracks from composers who are mostly known for rhythm games she just recommended the composers so i went through and listened to a few different tracks and and chose the ones that uh, that i picked here actually for this first game i didn't even go through and listen because i just remembered this track and um yeah so we're gonna start with um Masaya Matsura, and we're going to listen to Toasty Buttons from Parappa the Rapper 2. Oh man, can't wait. <laughs> We all about it, the best burgers in town from all around People from around the world come and get it The line goes around like a merry-go-round Cut! Uh-oh, yes! You gotta, you gotta eat! Mm-hmm. Yes, very good! Very nicely! And toast! Uh-huh. Mm. Toast! You gotta, you gotta, you gotta cook! You know, haha, <laughs> doing good now! Come on, and cut! Stand in front. 
Now go serve those burgers right now. All right. I'm off to a good start. <laughs> All right. That was Toasty Buns from Parappa the Rapper 2, composed by Masaya Matsura and recommended by Naomi. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, whoever doesn't love Parappa I'm, the Rapper, I don't know what's wrong, man. I, I wish I'm, them the I'm, best. I'm in agony right now because my McDonald's is closing in 10 minutes and I can't make it. <laughs> Burgers and fries. Oh. Uh, French the fries. <laughs> it's so... I think one of... Like, if I had to summarize what's great about this song, charm. Like, I feel like it pulls Absolutely. off charm better than any other and definitely better than any of my tracks. Yeah, I mean, there's... Uh, I mean, I don't know. You've got some, you've got some charming stuff coming up, but we'll we'll come back to that. A, a couple of these, a couple of your games are, are known for charm, but I guess I, I will, I will concede that Parappa the Rapper is kind of in a league of its own. It's there is nothing else like it in really in gaming or in BGM. It's it's so cool and so fun and just so so pure. <laughs> yeah, I will say um, one of the. I think one of the sort of joke ideas for an episode that I've like suggested right when he started this podcast that we've like never actually done is you already know what I'm going to say. Oh yeah. Uh, rap songs and video <laughs> games. There's like this, um, also like the rap and third strike, mm-hmm. uh, Naomi, if you're listening, there's a lot of great raps that like didn't make it into the game that, but did make it onto KH insider. Um, that I like just discovered recently, despite like being a longtime Street Fighter Three fan. Um, also, um, Rock in the Mic and Improvise from like some of the Jet Set radio games. Okay. Um, and I honestly, I feel like there's other raps. Um, I can, I feel like there's other good raps, but I can't think of any. And no, DK doesn't count. Does uh, Does Knuckles count? <laughs> 100%, 1,000, him and Pumpkin Hill. <laughs> yeah, man. My name is Knuckles. Unlike Sonic, I don't chuckle. <laughs> oh. Before I go too deep down that rabbit hole, let's go ahead and move on yeah. to Naomi's second track. Uh, this one from Tomoyuki Uchida, who has a little bit longer of a resume in rhythm games than Matsura does. Matsura is a pretty well-known Japanese musician, but he's mostly known in, in video game music for Parappa the Rapper. Uh, Tomoyuki Uchida has... well, we'll talk about it more when we come back. But first, we're going to listen to Light Fusion from Poppin' Music 6.
Alright, I have a uh, slight correction to make. The name of that track is Micro Dream. It's from Poppin' Music 6, composed by Tomoyuki Uchida. And once again, this uh, composer is recommended by Naomi. Uh, before I get into uh, some of what I found that uh, showed me were uh, the error of my ways, Prof. Jeff, what did you think of this track? It's interesting. It reminded me, it had like a little bit of disco, and it kind of reminded me of the kind of music you'd get in like a slice of life anime. Um, ah, okay. And it, <laughs> it's also unique in the tracks we're playing tonight is that it had a big like a big band hit at the end, which I thought that was kind of cute. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, so, Micro Dream uh, has been featured in a few different Poppin' Music games. It first appeared in Poppin' Music 6, and the genre is Light Fusion, which is where my confusion was. Uh, In-game, it is credited to Mr. T, who is uh, Tomoyuki Uchida. And, um, yeah, it has come back in a few other different poppin' music games. Um, it was technically included first in poppin' music 5 as a preview song for the next game, but the full track didn't appear until poppin' music 6. And, uh, yeah, so, um, Uchida-san has also composed... Uh, quite a few stuff, uh, quite a few tracks. I'm obviously, getting a little bit tired. Quite a few stuff. Quite a few tracks for the Beat Mania series, uh, which I know Pernell of Rhythm and Pixels is a really big fan of. So, if he's listening, he's probably pretty stoked that we're including some Uchida on this episode. So, Naomi, thank you so much. I think that we would have been remiss if we hadn't included a little bit of rhythm game music in this Masters of VGM showcase. Mm. Yeah, I play, um, what is it? Um, Muse Dash on Steam. Um, I love the game. I think, I think all of the music is like ineligible because of like rights issues. <laughs> that, I think it's uh, all licensed mm. from like electronic groups, but yeah, Muse Dash is quite fun. Never, everybody loves rhythm games. Is it one of the ones with the arrows or is it a yeah. different? Um, I play okay. it with like an Xbox controller, and I have to pace myself because my hands get really sore afterwards. But it's like cute, mm-hmm. it's fun, and like the tracks are straight fire. Cool. I think my favorite rhythm game series is still uh, the Rhythm Heaven series on Nintendo handhelds. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's got mm-hmm. some really really quirky music in it, but there's some really great rhythm game music out there. So Naomi actually recommended a couple of other. Um, rhythm game composers, but this this was already getting really, really long, but four rhythm game tracks back-to-back I felt like would have been a little bit much for this, uh, so I picked the two that I, I had the most um, experience with. So, um, Naomi, we'll have to have you on sometime to do... We've talked about this in the past. We'll have to have you on sometime to do a bonus episode about specifically rhythm games. Hell yeah. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I'd love to hear that. Um, I actually I haven't owned a Nintendo handheld since the original Game Boy. I had like the big green brick, as green was my favorite color yep. as a child, and so I had the original Game Boy in green. And I like never even upgraded <laughs> to color, so I don't remember any rhythm games. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um I had the gray brick, and um I actually also had a Game Gear that I, I barely ever played oh, because it wasn't man. very good. Um. 
but uh, then I didn't have anything else until 2009 when I got a DSi XL. Um, that was no handhelds in between, so I skipped over all the, the PlayStation handhelds um, and all of the other versions of the Game Boy, including the Game Boy Advance. And, um, yeah. Man, the Game uh, Boy so. Advance is my favorite handheld just from the emulator. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the, there are some great games on the Game Boy Advance. I've um, emulated quite a few, and I've also got some on the on the Wii U that I've played. Yeah, so. if, 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 Sega, yeah. if Sega had gotten their heads out of their butts and re-released Sonic Advance series, I would have bought that. Oh, heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Um, we'll see if it ever happens. Yeah. It's a... Uh, yeah, but we're now going to wrap up this um, this block of listener picks before we move into Prof. Jeff's Mount Rushmore, uh, Prof. Jeff's Masters of VGM. And I originally had this sort of mixed in in the middle, and then I moved it to the end. And I think it's going to be a pretty fitting closeout to this section. Baba Yetu, from originally from Civilization Four, was composed by Christopher Tin. And if my information here is correct, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it is, because Martyrus, uh, the host of ReVGM, who recommended that we play this song, he also said this, and he definitely knows this stuff with video game news. This is the first piece of video game music that won a Grammy. Baba Yetu uh, was the theme song for Civilization IV. Uh, Civ IV was designed by Soren Johnson, who was Christopher Ten's roommate at Stanford. Baba Yetu is a choral Swahili version of the Lord's Prayer recorded by his former a cappella group, Stanford Talisman. I know that what we've been doing is playing the track and then talking about, about it when we come back, but because of Baba Yetu's notoriety, um, I thought it would be good to kind of introduce it a little bit for anybody who was not familiar with it. But, um, now, uh, if you're ready, Prof. Jeff, we'll go ahead and pop into it and listen to this last listener pick of the episode. Alrighty. Hey! 
Alright, and that was Baba Yetu from Civilization Four, composed by Christopher Tin and recommended by Martyrus. Alright, well after that introduction, um, what did you think of the song? Oh man, that was that was an absolute delight. Um, and it's also yeah. it's also great because I've been looking into sort of East African uh, religious stuff. Um, I was actually thinking of um, Baba. So like Baba is interesting as like a kind of um, what you would call like a phoneme. Like a, I guess one Ba would be a phoneme. Two Ba's. Mm, okay, I've forgotten what phonemes are. Let's not worry about it. But. <laughs> I'm pretty sure no, that Baba would be two phonemes. Or lex, one lexemes. Phoneme. It's a lexeme. That's what it is. Okay, there you go. Uh, damn it. Yeah, because the B, uh, like, so a phoneme is like an intelligible sound. And so in English, like, if we were looking at that, the B and the A uh would be like two different phonemes. But Baba would be like a lexeme in the sense that it's like a sort of component part of a word. Um, it's kind of fascinating for me as like a linguist because you have like Alibaba in um, Persia and the Thousand and One Nights. And then you have um, Baba as um, a sort of term of um, a term of address in India. I remember having a, um, a really heated conversation with a rickshaw driver in India where we had a miscommunication about a mall that had two locations and he only he thought I meant only one location and he said uh. wrong directions baba <laughs> <laughs> um, but then you have like babalu aye which is um, like one of the deities in like west african religion but apparently like the baba lexeme is like in east african hence the swahili um, and the reason why Baba works really well as father um, is because it's a labial sound like mama and papa is that those are mm -hmm. sounds that humans make with their lips and so babies make them as their first sounds and so they become adopted as terms for parenthood in different cultures yeah that makes sense and I, I appreciate uh, I'm glad we got a chance for you to bring some of some of that to the show uh, that Harkens back to um, man. I feel like one of our composers from earlier uh, made me think of that as well. The first time you were on the show, of course, was for our our um, religion episode, and one of the tracks. Oh, and that was that was like the first season. <laughs> we hadn't really we hadn't developed any chemistry yet, and it was. Rough. <laughs> Well, one of the tracks we played on that was from a game <laughs> called Rusty, and one of our composers tonight was involved with that game. I want to say maybe that it was Ryu Takami from Yuno, but anyway, we'll, I'm not, not going to go back and dig into that. Uh, I just I, I was really impressed with uh, the instrumentation in this game and, and the restraints that Tin used, because he could have gone the, the whole, like, the full Elton John circle of life, you know, big fanfare, but he, he, really, he really kept it, you know, he kept it nice. Very nice. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, is that the the orchestra was backing up um, the drums and the vocals, and it wasn't telling them what to do. Very nice way to put it, yeah. Yeah, but, but yeah, when this was... When this came out, uh, Tin did not compose the full soundtrack for Civ 4. He only composed the theme song. He did come, pack, come back and compose more music for Civ 6. 
but this was the only one, and the song was singled out by a lot of different reviewers, um, and it's been composed uh, or performed live uh, all over the world from by lots of different folks. Um, the first time it was recorded live, uh, I want to or performed live. I want to mention this. Uh, it was at the Hollywood Bowl as part of a video games live concert, September twenty first, two thousand six, and it was actually conducted by Jack Wall, the composer of the Mass Effect series. A little bit of a throwback there. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, just hmm. yeah. I word. think the first word that I mentioned when I heard this track i said it was delightful and i feel like that kind of encapsulates how i feel cool and that's it for the listener showcase come back tomorrow for one of my favorite parts of this whole event where i finally got to hear prof jeff's choices for masters of vgm jeff has been my most frequent co-host on very good music and I was really excited that he was able to join me since this event has uh, extended now into August. <laughs> and uh, he had some really, really cool picks, none of whom cross over with any of the other VGM masters. So I uh, hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.